Welcome to the Agent of Wealth podcast with Mark Boudis from Boudis Financial. In this podcast, Mark helps guide you towards financial freedom, ensure you never run out of money, and create a balance in life that prioritizes what is most important to you. Join us for this journey as Mark draws from years of expertise and guest experts to solve the multiple wealth building challenges involved in your financial life. Welcome back to the Agent Wealth. This is your host, Mark Boudis. On today's show, we brought on a special guest, Jim Marcus. Jim hosts Frugal Living, a podcast for smart shoppers and savers. He also works as an editor at Brad's Deals, where he evaluates and negotiates deals for bargain hunters. Jim, welcome to the show. Thanks a lot for having me. So I'm, I'm excited to talk about today's topics, or I guess we'll talk about a couple of them, um, but particularly about how to live frugally. How would you define living frugally? I think they're, you know, everyone looks at it different. And, you know, we were just talking, some people embrace it, some people shun it, but how, you know, to put it in your words, how would you define it? No, I think you'd hit the nail on the head there. The idea of a frugal life varies so wildly. And a lot of that depends on where you're living and it depends on how much you're making. And it depends a lot on your personality. If you're one of those people who hates to spend money on anything and you can clip coupons and you don't spend any penny, you know, that you don't have to, that's amazing. And that would be frugal, but I am not that frugal. And I don't know many people who are. Uh, For me, frugality is finding the best deal when I need it all the time. Mm -hmm. Like I don't spend more money than I have to, but I also don't deny myself, you know, I I live, I live a life that I want to live. You know, you get the, the most out of spending the least. Yeah. And, you know, I was saying earlier, some people see it as a restriction. You know, some people do embrace it. How did you get involved with it? It was something that you grew up like, you know, embracing it or did you have some kind of experience where it just clicked and connected and now it's something that you're passionate about? I'm sure I'm not alone here, but for me, it was learning about early retirement, financial freedom, this whole movement, you know, maybe 10 years ago, I first encountered this and it changed everything. It changed if I can send any extra money to investments so I can have my investments start working for me as soon as possible, that became my ultimate goal. That's why I went to work. Yeah. And that's like you said, it's, it's that financial freedom and you know, it now has a connection with the fire movement, which is the financially independent retire early. How do you then actually with the execution of that and, and knowing that the spending, right? Because it's, this is not rocket science. It's one, you have to save money. You have to spend less than what you earn, but how do you take those principles and tie them into the financial freedom of, okay, now I'll, I'll, I know, or how do you project and say, well, if I do this, here's where, here's where, where it'll help me get to where I'm trying to, to get to. How do you kind of correlate it to the next, to actually taking action on it? For me, again, I, I'm not going to pinch every penny. For me, this is like a game. I look for opportunities to save money anywhere I can. And a lot of that's negotiation and a lot of that's shopping. Mm -hmm. As you mentioned earlier, I shop for a living. Like I negotiate deals and I find deals online every day at Brad's deals. And there's a whole team of people who do just that. When I find something that is normally $150 for 75, I like to tell people about it and I like to get it myself sometimes. Those are the moments where I'm like, okay, I probably would have bought this at a hundred, but I got it for $25 less than I would have otherwise. I can save that 25. I can put that away. Like having buckets for these things is really helpful. On the shopping. So I graduated college right around 2000. 
And I remember an experience, went in with someone who I'd started working with. We went into like a Sears store and he wanted to buy a TV and he actually negotiated the price on the TV. And I was like dumbfounded. I'm like, you can actually do this? And then I figured out, okay, yeah, you know, obviously everything is negotiable. But then now online shopping comes. How do you do it where if you look and you see, all right, the price is $100 and you say, I want to pay 75, but when you click on it, it seven, it's going to charge you a hundred. How do you go about finding deals online where it looks like, nope, the price is what it is. And you just have to deal with it or take it or leave it. That, I mean, that's an incredible question. And the answer is a lot simpler than we think it is. Like we are, I think, especially people of our age and older are still in the mindset of when I shop somewhere, I'm in the store, I'm at the Sears, I'm talking to the salesperson. What's on the shelf is negotiable. But when you're online and you're at Amazon or Walmart, you're not at Amazon or Walmart. You're online. We're still in the mindset of Amazon's price is the price, but it's not. Do a search, you know, check check eBay, run Google Shopping, check everywhere, and you'll find you won't have to negotiate <laughs> in a lot of cases. There are some things where map restrictions are very difficult, like Nike shoes. Nike doesn't allow their retailers like other external retailers to sell their shoes under a certain price, but there's ways around that. You know, there's coupon codes that allow them to get below map pricing. There's deeper discounts in cart or after you sign in. And there are ways around that too. So knowing where to go, where to shop and price comparing is easily the best way to find better deals online. And remembering that where you're shopping online isn't the only option. You mentioned eBay. You mentioned Google Shopping. Is Google is Google Shopping? Is that a way where, like, because I, you know, I I think that sounds great, but then I'm like thinking, am I just going to spend all my time researching, putting in, searching this site, searching this site? Is is there are there tools out there or websites out there that will kind of aggregate the the internet over or all these retailers? And you know, if I want whatever it is, a TV, for example, that will then go and they'll look at Best Buy, they'll look at this, they'll look at that, and then they'll pull in all the prices. And then I can have a nice, easy to read format of saying, oh, this one is the lowest. And, you know, this is the way it, this is probably the one I should, should go with and compare it to Amazon. And, you know, we all love Amazon for shopping at Amazon. But like you said, there, pro- there may be places where you can get it cheaper. Yeah, absolutely. This is what my team does at Brad's Deals every day. You don't have to do the price comparisons when we've already done it. And we'll tell you. If we were shopping for a TV, you can pull up Brad's deals, check out the electronics, and see, oh, David posted an electronics deal today. He posted a TV, like an LG. He knows a lot about TVs already. I talked to him on my own podcast. And he'll tell you, hey, this is the best price we found anywhere by $100. Or he'll say, you know, there's an exclusive code. We negotiated it with a retailer. It'll get you $50 off. The work's already been done. We've vetted the seller. You know you're going to a trustworthy place and you don't have to do it yourself, but you can, if you like doing it, if you're like someone on my team, do it, vet the deals. Like we, we do it all day, every day and we don't make a lot of mistakes, you know, but if you find a lower price anywhere, tell us and we'll update our site, you know, and we'll find, we'll post the better deal. If someone uses your site, are they actually purchasing through Brad's deals or are you giving, are you more of the research and they go and then purchase it on their own, whatever, you know, site that, that it comes back with? Yeah, we just send you to wherever the deal is. So we do all of the research. We do all of the legwork for you, but if the best deals at Amazon, we'll send you to Amazon. We don't sell anything at Brad's deals. Like 
ourselves. We don't have inventory on anything. We send you to the sites that do. And how does it work with, does someone have a, is, is like a consumer, would they get a subscription with Brad's deals? Are you negotiating with the sellers? How does, how does someone actually use Brad's deals? You just go to the site. You don't need, uh, you don't even need to sign up. You can, if you like these types of deals, if you want to know what we found the best deal on today or every day, you can go to the site, create an account, just give us your email. You know, we'll send you the offers as they come up, but you don't have to. If you just want to go to the site and you don't want to give us any of your information, you don't have to do that. It feels like we're plugged into the matrix. We just have these connections with all these different retailers, with affiliate networks, directly with Amazon, directly with all these different places. And because we do this all day, every day, we develop relationships. So you can't go maybe on amazon.com and say, hey, I want a discount on this. A lot of times we can (laughs) And we can go and say, hey, you sell a product on Amazon. Can we get a coupon code for it? And we'll post it. And if we do, or some people, you know, they know what we do and they'll come to us and say, Hey, we have an exclusive that we want to give just to your readers. Will you share this with them? And our team will vet it and we'll say, if this looks good, yeah, here it is everyone. And if it doesn't, we'll tell them that, Hey, this is a garbage deal. You know, this needs to be better. People aren't interested in this. How do you scale for holiday shopping? Um, because I'm sure like holiday shopping takes this, you know, exponentially in terms of traffic and deals that are out there and everything like that. How do you guys do that? My favorite part of my job is the holiday season. It is also a war zone. Yeah. This job is wonderful. It's very casual. We're all shoppers. These are all clever people. During Q4, it's just nonstop deals. We find the best prices of the year during this time. And especially this year where you have so many shipping issues, international shipping issues, we're negotiating prices with people who have higher shipping fees than they've had before. And we're trying to get the same price or better than we've seen in the past. So sometimes that's not possible and you'll see higher prices this year, but sometimes the inventory is already here, you know, and you don't need to pay that extra shipping markup. If someone's shopping online and maybe they come across, you know, something and the price just looks too good to be true. How do they know that, yes, it really is too good to be true and and move on and, and look for it somewhere else? This is such a common problem. And sites like Amazon and sites like Google Shopping, as much as I love them, they're rife with scams. There are sites that can go up in a day that say, hey, we have this KitchenAid stand mixer, which everyone else on their best day of the year sells for $160. If you find it for $160, it's incredible. We have it for $140. And you're like, how? How do you have it for $140? The answer is almost always use your common sense. When you go to their site, does their logo match their site address? Does their site address make sense? Is it just random letters and numbers? Go to their About Us page. Is there a physical location? Is there a phone number you can call? See if there's reviews of that store online. If not, why not? Yeah. The way some of these scams work is... They just want you to give them as much of your information as possible. So in the worst case scenario, you want to buy that stand mixer. You put in your name, your address, your credit card information. You click buy now and they just take your info and run. And best case scenario, they take that info and they say, ah, we're sold out. I'm sorry. And then they use that to say, okay, people like stand mixers. And if we had it at this price, we would have sold it. And they're just looking for that marketing information. But these happen everywhere. so. Do your research, do the vetting, do the common sense vetting, or go through something like Brad's deals where we've done all that for you. Like we won't price compare against a site that's not real. Similar question, but on reviews. So I know like some people, 
may go to Amazon because that site usually has a lot of reviews and they can can see that. But there's reviews all all over the place. How does someone spot a fake review? And it may not be that they're trying to scam you into buying it. It may just be that the product's really not that good, but they're getting people to say that it is. Yeah. The review problem is really complex. So if you have time and you like reading through a lot of reviews, like I do, you know, go read the reviews, see if they seem legit. But if you value your time, <laughs> you can use an automated service like FigSpot. Uh, FigSpot is something we use on my team. Uh, it's a company that they use AI to evaluate all the reviews on a site like Amazon or Walmart on a specific product. You give them the link to that product, they'll have their system scan through all the reviews. They'll read the reviews made by the ones, you know, let's say John H at Amazon on this, you know, soccer ball you're interested in has written only five-star reviews on all these different products. And they're all very similar. They're going to mark John H as probably a fake reviewer. And they'll give that site a lower, a lower rating, like an ABC rating. Mm -hmm. Maybe they have an F on that soccer ball and maybe you don't want to buy it. Maybe you want to look for something that might be a dollar or two more that has trustworthy reviews. That makes sense. Aside from scams, what other mistakes are you seeing people make when they when they try and shop online? The number one mistake people make when they shop online is forgetting that the rest of the internet exists. It's when you go to you know, your your favorite store, you know, maybe you love American Eagle and you love the underwear at American Eagle and you're there and you think, "Hey, their lowest price underwear is $15 for a pair of boxers." And you kind of forget that the rest of the world is out there. You know, and quality is similar from place to place. So price comparison, again, hugely important. There are places like American Eagle is a good example. You can't buy that anywhere else. So if you want those, you'll go through them. But in that case, the other mistake is thinking you need it now. You don't need it today. Wait until there's a discount. There are always discounts. They will come back. Assuming the world is here tomorrow or next month, there will be another sale at another site or at the site you're interested in. The other thing is when you find a brand you love, you might think that you have to pay full price, but these sites offer commission rates. They, they offer money to people who send you their way. That's how we stay afloat. Affiliate marketing is a whole industry. If you go to Reebok or if you go to a, a big brand store directly and you give them your email address, a lot of times they'll say, hey, take 10% off. That 10% off is because you went there initially. And if they don't offer you that, reach out to their customer service team and ask. A lot of people forget that there are marketing people, like actual human beings at these places that you're shopping at. A lot of it's automated, but it doesn't have to be. Let them know, hey, I'm interested in these. Can I get 5% off? Can I get 10% off? The worst they can say is no, you know, and, you know, maybe you walk away and you wait for the sale then, but maybe they say yes. And you just save five or 10% on your favorite brand. What's the most successful way that people reach out to customer services? Is it through like some form that they have on their site? Is it trying to find their email address, tagging them on Twitter? What is the, the best way to, to reach out? Yeah, that depends on you, right? That depends on how much time you want to spend on this. So if you reach out via email, like if you send out a form, you're giving them a bunch of information and you're asking for it, you know, maybe you hear back, maybe you don't, but you're probably not going to hear back this hour or today. If you have the live chat feature, that's usually the fastest way to get a yes or a no. In most cases, this isn't, hey, I've been ripped off. I want to find you know the email of the executive and email them directly. This is you saying, hey, I'm a new customer and I just want a discount. Find a marketing person. Ask on Twitter. 
Like a lot of these brands will have direct ways to interact with you. And there's some very lonely intern really excited to talk to anyone willing to interact with their brand. And so go that way, make them look and feel appreciated the same way you would in in reality. I've tried in the past, um, let's say I'm, you know, thinking about purchasing something to do, you know, put a search into Google looking for like a coupon code or something like that. And nine times out of 10, I'll find and find one, but then I try and actually use it and it doesn't, it doesn't work. Is that just, I mean, is it a waste of time by actually trying to to search for those? Man, coupon sites are rough. So you can find some coupons on Brad's deals, but most of what we post is just deals, things we are, we've already vetted. We know work. If it's on our site, it works. A lot of coupon sites just use SEO to try to get you to click on their site before you make a purchase you were already going to make. So I don't use coupon sites. Um, but again, I have access to all of the coupons in the world. Like there, there are just data streams of coupons that I have access to because of what I do for a living. If you're shopping and it's advertised on site, it's worth checking out. If you have the time to check a couple different sites that you trust, definitely go for it. But a lot of these coupon sites are just there to, again, they don't care about you or your experience. And if you don't have the time to waste, it's usually not worth going to some of these and trying to click like the 17 coupons that they have. But, you know, again, if it's a site that you know always has promos, you know, if it's a site that you know always has a coupon code, then yeah, look for it because those are the ones where just because you don't see it on their site doesn't mean it doesn't exist today. And also look for the better coupon code. There's always different levels, you know. I want to turn a little bit to the behavioral side of shopping. When, you know, someone finds deals, I think a lot of times it can become an addiction. So the point where they're just buying stuff that they don't really even need just because they can feel that like success of, oh, I got this at 20% less than than what it was really for retail. How does someone kind of look at that emotional or behavioral side of it and not let it become out of control to the point where they went into it trying to save money? And what actually turns out is they're spending more than, than they would have if they didn't even try and, and you know, find, the, find a deal. Great question. So this is a very real feeling and it feels, it feels great to score a deal. You know, you can brag about it to your friends, but you're absolutely right. If you chase that feeling too far, then you end up with a bedroom of your house just dedicated to packaged goods. For me, the answer is almost always, and again, this is just my how I deal with this personally. I don't buy anything now. When I find something I want to buy, I put it in my cart and then I leave it there. And I don't believe anyone who says you have two hours to get this deal. If it's midday and they only give me two hours, I'm not going to get that deal. It's just not going to happen unless it's something that I had planned in advance waiting for the sale to happen. I don't buy impulsively. I put at least a two-hour window. If I can be longer, think about it. That time period between that moment of, oh, this is perfect. I want this. This deal is incredible. And actually pressing the you know buy button, that can be the difference between you know spending $150 today and not spending it for ever, anytime. You know, is this a thing you actually needed at all? And I do this all the time, especially on Amazon. Yeah. I guess speaking of Amazon, so I think, you know, when they first came out, what was like 20 years ago, they they were known to have a lower price. And it seems like that's not really the case anymore. But what they do have is convenience, right? I can go onto Amazon, I can click a button and 
it knows my payment info. It knows where it's shipping it to. And, you know, theoretically it sends it out and it could be there the next day. How does someone kind of put a value on convenience and have some of these other sites caught up to Amazon with when it comes to convenience? Because I know I remember I would compare Amazon and I would go find it somewhere else and it would be like I'd have to make create an account. I'd have to and you know pull out my credit card. And is there it has convenience caught up to, to Amazon? Yeah, I think there's two questions there. Uh, convenience has caught up with Amazon often through PayPal or Google Pay. So if you value having all of your you know credit card information in one area that you trust, a lot of places will have a buy it through PayPal or pay on PayPal or pay on you know Google Pay or Apple Pay or Venmo. <laughs> There's all these payment processes that are happy to take your money. And so if you value convenience, then that's a good way to do that everywhere outside of Amazon. Maybe not everywhere, but many, many places outside of Amazon. But the other question is, does this convenience serve you? Or does this convenience serve the store? So this is a negotiation you have every time you make a transaction when you sign up for auto deliveries. Is that a convenience for you? Or is that a convenience for a store which wants to know how often they can expect this revenue from this specific shopper? Like These exist because they benefit retailers. These are not there because... Jim wants to save a couple of minutes before putting in this payment information. If that's the reason you're storing your info, it might be worth reconsidering. You know, that one guaranteed way to put some time between you and a purchase is to have to put your payment information in every time before you make that purchase. Another question kind of on this convenience factor, but also with everything going on and some of the supply chain issues, is there a way to tell where the product is coming from? So, and really meaning, is it somewhere local and I really am going to get it in two days? Or, you know, when I press that buy button, it's like, sorry, this is coming from overseas. We'll get, we'll get, you know, maybe in a couple of months you have it. Or is it just kind of like the luck of the draw by hoping that it actually, they do have it? This depends where you shop. Here's another mistake people make online shopping. When you're at Amazon and you're shopping on Amazon, a lot of times you're not shopping on Amazon or you're shopping on Amazon, but you're not shopping through Amazon. There's always below the buy button, a little, two little lines of text. One says sold by and one says shipped by. And so if it says sold by Amazon, shipped by Amazon, it means Amazon as a company owns that inventory and they control the fulfillment of that inventory. Sometimes you'll see sold by best choice products shipped on amazon.com or shipped by amazon.com or shipped by best choice products. If it's shipped by Amazon, and sold by another, like a third party, even me, I've sold on Amazon before. I sell, I've sold like hacky sacks, like uh, foot bags. So you send Amazon your inventory, they warehouse it, and then they take care of the fulfillment. So regardless of where that product came from originally, if it says shipped from Amazon, it means it's coming from some, one of their places around the US. You know, you'll get it within the time you normally get your Amazon purchases. You know, if you're in an urban environment, maybe that's an hour. If you're somewhere way, way out there, you know, maybe it's three days, but it's Amazon, so it'll be fast. Outside of Amazon, look for that same information. And if you can't find it, ask. Walmart does the same thing where it's sold by whatever company. And sometimes that company is Walmart, but these places are marketplaces. Walmart, Amazon, eBay, all of them have third parties selling on them. And other sites like Jet do the same thing, but they don't tell you. They just say, hey, it's we're, we're the ones selling it, even though it's a third party selling through their storefront. So it can be more difficult when they aren't upfront with this information. 
Yeah. And is we'll take Amazon as an example. Like when, you know, when I go to purchase something, I can see, you know, expected delivery tomorrow or expected to ship in three weeks. How accurate are those? If it's shipped by Amazon, if Amazon is holding it, there's a pretty good chance I'm going to get it within the time period. I mean, there's definitely been problems with that as well. But it seems like it's a crapshoot when it says expected to ship October 24th. Do you recommend actually like reaching out and saying, are you really going to ship this? And what's to stop them from just saying, yeah, sure. On Amazon, I I wouldn't recommend necessarily reaching out because it's such a wide and diverse experience on Amazon that you don't know who you're talking to, like who you're asking. Like in general, if it's a big brand, if you're trying to order Tostitos on Amazon and they say it's not going to be there until November 5th and it's February, you could probably trust them because Amazon will work with Tostitos and Tostitos will say, hey, this is when our inventory is expected to reach your warehouse. If it's something small, you know, if you're ordering like a generic beanie on Amazon and they say expected to ship in three weeks, it's a crapshoot. Like someone who's selling that beanie through Amazon told Amazon it'll be there in three weeks. How trustworthy that that is, I have no idea. You know, <laughs> it's an inter- I mean, it's like the wild, wild west sometimes out there with the, with it. That I mean, that's exactly what it feels like for a lot of online shopping right now. Like, there's just a lot that's unregulated. There's a lot of like, why are there fake reviews everywhere? Why are you know, these fake storefronts allowed to exist. It's the wild west. Like right now we don't have an enforcement system. Amazon does their best and they do really well in some things, but they can't catch everything because they're huge and it's the same everywhere else. Yeah. Okay. So we're just about out of time. Jim, I'd like to thank you for being on the show today. You gave some great info on how to shop online, how to get the best deals, which especially relevant coming up with the, on the holiday season. How best can someone reach out to you? How can they find out more information about you and Brad's deals? Sure. Uh, if you were interested in deals, check out bradsdeals.com. And if you want regular updates, sign up for emails from Brad's Deals. If you like the sound of my voice, you can check out Frugal Living. It's a podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or everywhere else that you find info. And I do what Mark does. I talk to people who know a lot about specific things in the frugal world. And thanks again for having me on. Awesome. We'll, we'll link to all that in the show notes. And thanks everyone for tuning in today. Thank you for listening to the Agent of Wealth podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered represents the views and opinions of the guests and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Boutis Financial. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only and is not intended to be a substitute for professional financial planning and investment advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investments and financial planning.